0: You're listening to the and War podcast with Lovejeet Daliwal. Joining me this week is a musician who was born in the UK in the 1970s. The eldest of nine boys and two girls, the family moved back to Lagos, Nigeria, when he was five years old. Now living in the States, musician Shiji Oweinka has turned documentary maker with his film Elder's Corner. The documentary chronicles the stories of Nigerians' forgotten musical heroes. C.G. Awienka, welcome to the Dr. More podcast. Good morning, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, and thank you very much for joining us. Can you tell us, first of all, when did you first become interested in music?
1: I'd say uh, around about that was the time, I was about eight, seven or eight. Um, I used to dance quite a bit. My father had an impressive record collection um, back in London, and um, I'd kind of mimic some of the singers I heard and i will dance along those James Brown Stevie Wonder and things like that and I believe my music in, in my my interest in music was stirred from about that age mostly through my father's record collection because he was a big fan of uh, Motown and the Philadelphia Soul, and I picked some of that up
0: And uh, So this is all that happened for you when you were back in Nigeria then, back in Lagos?
1: Back in Lagos, yes, I was five when I was first taken to London and uh Around in 1974, actually, and, um, yeah, round about then.
0: And so coming to this film, then, what made you decide to document these forgotten musicians?
1: Hmm. you know, as it were, I have a very close friend of mine, a childhood friend, actually. He's also Nigerian. His name's Osita Niemulu. We kind of moved to New York together from London, around about the same time. And he'd been collecting uh, records, rare records, for many, many years, and... Um, he, what he'd normally do is he'd go out to Nigeria and scroll around for old, some of the old high life records. So he amassed quite an impressive collection of records. And um, every time he, he used to visit Nigeria frequently, I have to remember this time I'd done my thing in London, you know, I'd my career as a musician and I'd moved to the States. So a good 23 odd years had passed before I'd even gone back to Nigeria. Anyway. He was playing some of his old records and as it were he came up with one one from one of his strips he came up with a very old, very badly scratched forty five inch single. And he played me that record. And it just kinda like a, it knocked me completely over. I was like, Who the hell what the hell is this? Or sister, where did you get this? It turned out it was an old classic by a little known musician, at least to me, called Fatai Rolling Dollar. And I'm like, hmm, you know what, I'd love to go back to Nigeria and see who these musicians are. So really, round right about then was when this whole thing actually started. That moment in his living room when he played me that record kind of sparked my interest to go back home, to go seek out the elders, you know, go revisit Nigeria, go re- revisit my childhood and see what had gone past back in Nigeria.
0: So you decided to go back, head back, track down these musicians. Why was that so important to you? I
1: guess because in many ways I was also, you know, trying to reconnect to Nigeria, you know, after so many years away. And I figured one of the best ways of doing that would be through music because some of my own earliest memories of being in Nigeria formed through music. The sounds I heard, the music I heard, the language, you know, I always felt sound would be a great way through which to revisit my own past, and to check out Nigeria as well.
0: So these musicians, they've been forgotten about. I know it can't be very easy to track down people in these circumstances. How on earth did you go about it?
1: <laughs> well, as luck would have it, fun I should say. Um, the when I first got back to Nigeria, I, I connected with my. With Adebantu, who ultimately became the, the film's producer. He's also a musician, German born. And um, I told him about the project I was looking to do. I was trying to seek out Fatai Rolling Dollar. Told him about the records I'd heard. You know, and he was like, Wow, you won't believe it. But I just spoke to Fatai Roland Dollar. I know Fatai Roland Dollar very well. Like, oh yeah? He says, Yes, I do. <laughs> and surely enough he took me to Fatai Rolling Dollar and I was like, Wow. And as it were, each of those musicians kind of knew each other i remember the very first time we turned up to interview jimmy Shulanke, the playwright musician songwriter the first thing once you know once we arrived there at his place in Lefe, he shook his head and says wow you guys are late and i'm goes what do you mean we're late he says there's so many of us you needed to have spoken to but they're gone but that said the few of us who are still here You better get started because we're not going to be in your midst much longer so get going literally like that and each one kind of led me to his pair you know it's like a whole thread just kind of the dots kind of joined up they knew each other they knew where they were and that was it
0: i mean what was their reaction i mean were they surprised that you were looking for them or were they kind of I mean, it seems to me that they kind of like expecting you to arrive at some point, in a way.
1: In a way, yes. And um, I believe what it was, was um, every time I met one of them, I, you know, much to my horror, you know, I begin speaking to them. I tell them, you know what, I heard one of your records from the 50s or from the 70s. And they go, what? What record? Are you sure? And I go, yes, I do. And I, surely enough, I'll whip up my, my laptop play them one of the old classics and their eyes would just light up because as it were none of them had any copies of their old recordings you know in nigeria we have a very rich oral tradition which of course means that very few people keep physical items of like of the past like their records or their pictures for instance none of them had any any copies to show of their old recordings so the fact that i had this it's like they looked at me like wow this guy is serious You must know what you're doing and you must you must really want to know about that song and you know at that point they just open up and begin to tell begin to talk
0: now in the film you obviously bring out the huge cultural heritage of nigeria Mm -hmm. and the film seems very much like a love letter to your home country
1: indeed so indeed so because um you like i said you know i hadn't been back then about 23 years and um Going back home, speaking to some of these elders, I got to really learn a great deal more about the, the country. I connected more to the language, the history, the music I heard took on a whole new meaning once these guys began to break down their songs. And um, that really inspired me to like, you know what, we have such a very colorful, very very rich cultural history, a very unique culture which ultimately needs to be showcased and like take something like juju music for instance it is a very very powerful way through which to learn about Yoruba culture you know because the songs the language you know the proverbial tales and the songs the storytelling aspect of it and it really gives you an intimate an intimate view of who the Yorubas are you know the drums form a huge aspect of this as well so I mean, the music. Re- I mean, juju music is a perfect platform through which to showcase Yoruba culture, and for me, that was a very powerful thing to experience.
0: Now, the film, as well as um, touching on the huge cultural aspect of it, you also the interweave it with the politics that have been going on in Nigeria as well at the mm-hmm. time. How important? I mean, how important was that to have that aspect in the film?
1: For me it was crucial because um the, the musicians we chose kinda of rose to prominence whilst very, very fascinating things or very important things were happening in the nation's history. Take independence for instance. High life is intimately linked to independence, the independence movement. was you could hear the music's very playful, very hope filled and optimistic, you know. These are countries that has that have recently Gain their independence and all of that joy, the people felt perfectly mirrored in the in the music. Juju music again was a was an era of decadence and celebration following the uh, the nation's oil boom in the seventies. Again, that's reflected in the music. Juju music is very celebrated, partying, throwing money around, you know, which is something Nigeria did back in the seventies. And then you have the Afro beats and the and Afro pioneers and the rebel music. I mean, I always say Afrobeat could never have originated any place else but Nigeria. You know, the politics of what was going on in the country at that time, the military, the military government, the corruption and, you know, some of the conscious musicians who rose out of that moment, you know, Felakuti Kuti, Mono Mono, all those people, again, through, the, um, through what was going on in the country. So I, I always felt the music mirrored exactly what was going on in the country at any particular time.
0: You mentioned Fela Kuti there, and I know Mm -hmm. especially for those of us who are are not from Nigeria and are outside of Nigeria, the perception seems to be that Nigerian music seems to be dominated by Afrobeat and Fela Kuti and his extraordinary legacy. Why was Fela Kuti so prominent? And was it his prominence that led the other musicians that you speak to in this film to be forgotten?
1: Not so much. I mean, Fela was very notorious. You have to remember that Fela started out playing high-life music, you know. He, he, he started his career back in Nigeria as a musician. Well, it started in England, you know. Became politicized when he came in touch with Sandra Isidore in, in, uh, in the Americas and returned back home, subsequently formed what we now know to become Afrobeat. But I remember back then, Fela was, was a very vocal critic of the, of the ruling regime, at the time, and he was one of the few musicians to openly and blatantly call out musicians, you know. So he was like a thorn in their side, and very few dared stick their necks out the way he did, which isn't to say some of them were not already politicized or singing about what was going on in their country. No, several several other musicians, particularly the likes of Mono Mono and Johnny Hastrob, you know, they were already. On that tip, but fella was one of the few, the boldest among them all, to stick his neck out, you know. He formed his own commune, the Kalakuta Republic. He married 27 wives in one ceremony. So he was very... It was that kind of... Yeah, you kind very, of
0: get known for that, don't you? Oh, yeah, of course,
1: you know. And, of course, then the music itself was very infectious. There was no escape in it.
0: What I also found really, really interesting, because I believe you would have been back in Nigeria at the time when you were a child. And this was mm-hmm. towards the end of the film, you have this big festival, this huge festival yes. which happened. Tell us Fast about that, at, what happened?
1: Oh, well, yeah. First at 1977, you know, I, I can't ever forget that. You know, I was, a, I was an eight-year-old. My mom worked as a senior nursing health official, which of course meant we got backstage passes, you know, front row seats to all these incredible shows, and um, Festac was a, was a celebration, it was a festival of arts and culture, and what had happened is um, back on, uh, on Nigeria's newfound wealth, we decided to host this huge, huge cultural exposition, you know, we invited countries from all over the world, particularly Africa, the continent of Africa, to Nigeria to celebrate culture black pride you know
0: but it was typically black people from those countries who were invited over
1: indeed it was africa africa festival of arts and culture focused on focus on africa i mean you had artists and musicians from the whole world but you know the focus centrally on africa and you know like like we sponsored the whole event as, a, as my 8-year-old, as an 8-year-old, I remember Stevie Wonder being there, playing drums. I'm like, wow, look at this guy. I heard this guy in my living room on the turntable and now look at him in the flesh. here there he is. For me, it was, uh, it was one big party. One huge celebration of black pride and culture, which was a beautiful thing. But, you know, Festac also had a dark side, you know. The money laundering, the corruption, which of course, I wasn't privy to being at that time, but Listening to the musicians tell about the other side was for me was really eye opening.
0: Now, those who were featured in the film have they actually managed to see the documentary? And what has their reaction <laughs> been? Have they had a chance?
1: A few have, and quite a few have passed on, as you, you might be aware. I haven't watched the film. Uh, you have to remember when I caught these guys, they were in the seventies and eighties, so they were in their twilight years. But the few who have seen it have been awestruck they've been eternally they've remained grateful you know because i always say to them you have you guys have given me your stories you're giving you pass handing down a legacy an oral legacy for me to carry on and push out onto the world and um i know they might not be here in the flesh but their spirit is very much alive and i'm constantly you know emboldened to keep pushing making sure as many people get to see who these incredible musicians were and their enormous contributions to the world of music
0: I mean, you mentioned the enormous contribution there, the Mm -hmm. arts in general, and it it plays such an important part within ordinary people's lives, Yes, particularly as you point out in the film and the history of Nigeria and what was taking place back then. But also, I suppose you can draw a parallel with what's been going on now with the pandemic. You can Mm -hmm. really feel how important culture is to our lives, even though we don't, we probably wouldn't have thought about it that way uh, before mm-hmm. the pandemic. Is that something that that the, do you think the artists will would agree with as well?
1: Oh, totally. You know, you have to remember, back in in Nigeria, particularly in the early early years, music and the arts were frowned upon. You know, the arts were music in particular was seen as functionary. Music was something you did, or you know at during future you know to undertake funeral rites or marriage ceremonies or anything music for entertainment wasn't until much later but it had a very specific role in, in that it was a medium or vehicle through which to either hand down history you know celebrate certain events or things like that but right you know things have changed you know it's become such a huge huge thing now especially back in Nigeria I have to remember like after the kids doing Afrobeats now have become such a global, globally recognized brand. You know, and more and more of my my peers generation now beginning to embrace music. You know, my my when I was growing up, a career in the arts was frowned upon. Especially for these guys as well. For them, they were seen as rebels. It was only until much later with the success of a handful of them that, you know, they began the arts began to become embraced, or more and more embraced. But you know, things have changed. We've come to see the, the 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 um the inherent power and beauty in using the arts as a means of expression.
0: When you were making this film, what do you think was your greatest challenge? or something that was totally unexpected that you didn't expect to happen in the film?
1: Hmm a number of things I mean, with all filmmaking endeavors. I went into it blindly. I went for really, it was for me, it was a labor of love. Mm. You know? I'd done a few music videos. I wouldn't have called myself a, a fully trained or honed filmmaker at that point. But um, the struggles involved, you know, trying to raise funds to, to do a film of this scope were apparent at the start. You know? But I, 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 I took on the the mentality that you know what I'm passionate about this. It's not so much about the money. If I can find a way to get these stories heard, I'll do so because I love the music, and I just sold you on. Then you also have the infrastructural problems we had back in Nigeria. These became very apparent, particularly during the the recording sessions we had. You know, I thought, well wow, none of these guys have their old recordings. It might be a great idea to put them in the studio and record them once again. And once we began to do so, remember some of these guys hadn't played in years. Some of them were rusty, and putting them in the recording studio—I mean, whilst the 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 what's the word—they were really happy, and eager to carry on. But sometimes their voices failed them, you know. But we persevered, and they persevered. You know, they surprised me in the studio. They they just kept slogging away. This here's a 70 seventy seventy old doing take after take of a song. And it's like wow,
0: that's fantastic. I can't he's
1: actually doing this, but. They were committed to it as well. They just gave me their best.
0: You managed to get the music out of them. This is despite despite their voices giving out and despite the, the enormous power cuts that you kept having to suffer all the time as well. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Those were very, very challenging. But we overcame. We surpassed it. We got through it and we made it happen. And they made it happen. I brought on an engineer from the States, Bill Lee. And before we left here, I kept telling him, Bill, you know, we're going to run into some power issues. And he said, what do you mean power issues? I kept telling him, we're going to run into power issues. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and of course, you brought up all your your power strips with uh, what do you call them, backup, uh, with fuses that trip off if of the power surges. But of course, the national grid, Napa in Nigeria, fried all of those, you know. But we we got, we got through it. We got through it. I was pleasantly surprised.
0: Absolutely, I'm very glad that you managed to get through it. So otherwise, we wouldn't have had this film, which is At fantastic. All. At all. Now, as you mentioned just there, you're a musician. Yes. You made the documentary. Congratulations on that, and then completing you. it, and it's been a success. Thank Do you, you have any more documentaries in the pipeline, or or has the whole experience kind of left you scarred? you're gonna go back to music and that's it
1: (laughs) a bit of both but um i want to keep telling stories i would say there's a lot of a lot of stories from nigeria that i found that haven't been told that have yet to be told that need to be told
0: i wish you good luck with that
1: thank you so much thank you
0: and thank you very much for coming on the Doctor and more podcast
1: you're most welcome
0: You've been listening to the Docs & More podcast with Lovjeet Dhaliwal. If you enjoyed the show, review and subscribe to the series.